Welcome, welcome, welcome into Redacted on this Thursday night edition. I hope you are doing well. My name is Clayton Morris. Natalie is off today. David is here. Phillip's here. Kevin's here. Grim is here. The whole Redacted team is here. And oh my God, this is like a heavy pile of news. We've got so much stuff to talk about. Like this is like... Uh, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, there's so many things we're going to talk about on today's show. So welcome in. If you're new to Redacted, this is the show where we hold powerful people to account. We cover the stories that you're largely not going to see in the mainstream media. Uh, I worked in the mainstream media for, for 20 years as a news anchor and as a journalist. And I can tell you that there's a lot that you don't see. And so that's what we try to cover here on the show and give you perspectives and context and nuance that you might not see other places. Um, so, David, are you ready to buckle in? We got a we got a busy show. I'm ready. You got your. I'm uh, ready. You, do you have your news pants on? I do. Well, yeah, I have my my zip up Adidas sweatpants that are like I can rip off at any time. Yeah. If it gets too hot in here. If the the conversation gets too heated. If it gets too heated, we're all just going to strip down on this Thursday night. Yeah. Um. So we've got a busy, busy show. So let's tell you what's coming up here on the show. We're going to talk number one about what's happening in Ukraine. There's a couple of really interesting stories unfolding over the past 24 hours in Ukraine, specifically world leaders going on an apology tour. So we'll talk about that. Plus, Zelensky being thrown under the bus at the same time. So he's both being put out there as uh, as target practice, while at the same time, world leaders kissing up to him and also still sending him tons of money. So we'll talk about that piece. Then we've got a huge update on the story we've been covering here for the past few months on the bio labs. What in the world has been going on with these bio labs inside of Ukraine? There's been really interesting pieces of information coming out from both the Pentagon and from Zelensky himself, actually. I'm going to show you some unbelievable documents as it relates to these bio labs and information uh, inside of Ukraine about that. And then we have a censorship we have a censorship segment. And I think, David, it's safe to say that this world is becoming way more, uh, you know, personal speech and freedoms are being clamped down in a way that we haven't seen um, for, for decades, perhaps. And it's happening in country mm -hmm. after country after country. So what we're going to do is kind of go through like a big country roundup because there's like three huge, four huge censorship uh, stories over the past 24 hours that we want to we want to cover on this show. And as you know, um, on the in the YouTube world, I mean, people are being like deplatformed and demonetized and taken down left and right um, if people don't mm -hmm. you know if their speech doesn't align with what people want, right? Yes, and yeah, and and I, we'll get into that because I have some information on that. So I'm, re I'm ready to talk about that story. Good, good, good. And we're also going to talk about Justin Trudeau, um, what's interesting happening in uh, the, the Canadian Parliament overnight. So we'll talk about the very latest on censorship and internet freedom in Canada, and plus uh, the refugee update uh, in the United Kingdom. There's so many pieces of this story today. So we've got Spent the last 10 hours putting a good show together for you. Um, so all I ask of you is to buckle up and get ready to watch our show because Redacted starts right now. So welcome into Redacted on this Thursday night. Very, very important because there's censorship happening all over the place right now with big tech companies. 
Um, they're in collusion with your federal government. We're going to actually show you some evidence of that tonight. Um, so it's very, very important. We built an entirely separate website that's totally separate from YouTube. It's not tied to any major tech company. It's our own place where we want you to go and just sign up and become a member. You can become a member for free. That way you have access to our exclusive content over there when we publish um, members-only content and videos. We also provide things a day early. Um, if you sign up, you can become a member for free. But if you want to support the channel, you can also do that for like, I think it's like $4 a month or something, right, David, for the cheapest yes. plan? Yes, and, and you can, yeah, for as little as, because you can kind of name your own price. So if you're somebody who, you know, you have a little bit more than $4, you can set it to $10 or you can set it to $15. But it really does help support the channel and the work that we do here. And Because there is going to come a time, and we'll get into the censorship story here in a little bit, where... We might not be able to say anything on this this channel and we'll have to move to another platform. So it's very important that we start doing that now instead of ru rushing around when we do finally get deplatformed, because yeah. I feel like it's inevitable at this point. Yeah, I think all of it, you know, unless you're doing like uh, kids slime videos, like, you I mean, you're up against it right now. So anyway, redacted.inc. It's not redacted.com. It's redacted.inc is our website. So please go over there. And one more little small ask before we get started is very, very important, especially if you're watching this on YouTube. Just tap that like button. If you're watching us on an Apple TV or you're watching us on a Roku or wherever, there's a, you can flip up the screen a little bit and just tap the like button. Or if you're on your iPhone or Android device, just, again, smash the like button. What it does is it sends us out further in the YouTube algorithm so we reach a larger audience. Um, they push us out while we're live, and that's very, very important to be able to get this information out. So anything that you can do in that regard. And I'd actually be curious, how many of you watch us on like your television? I know so many people tell me that they watch us actually on their big screen TV, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's the only way I watch actually. Like any YouTube show that I watch, I only watch on my big screen TV because that's just a, a, for me, it's a better experience. I'm, I'm very rarely on my phone watching content. Yeah, me too. I've kind of switched back in the day on YouTube. It was like always watching videos on my phone. You know, now I'm watching it always on my TV, like in my office or whatever. I put it on. I put it on uh, put on YouTube and I play my favorite shows. So in that app, you can flick up the screen. If you're using a, an Apple TV or a Roku, you can just slide up the little thing and there's a little thumbs up and you can press it right on your remote. So please do that. It helps the show. That's all we ask. We're going to give you a great show. I'm just asking for a little flick of a button. That's all I'm asking. Okay, so let's get started with the big show tonight, and we're going to start in Ukraine, and things are not going well in Ukraine. As we've been covering here on the show, there's a fracturing of the fake relationship between Vladimir Putin and Vladimir, excuse me, Vladimir Zelensky and President Biden. It's like a trio. You know, you can't keep them all, uh, keep all, keep track of them, all of them. <laughs> um, so uh, over the past 24 hours, we've seen European Union leaders going on like an apology tour and they're heading to they've flown in that they didn't fly in they actually took a train I mean the rail infrastructure is fantastic in Europe so they actually took a train into Kiev to meet with Vladimir Zelensky a number of European leaders um, and as Reuters is reporting this afternoon EU leaders visit Ukraine after criticism and offer European hope now, this criticism, remember, they got in sort of like a shouting match back and forth. So what happened is you had Olaf Scholz, you had uh, you had Emmanuel Macron, and you have Mario Draghi from Italy uh, gave, gave this little world tour where they drove in to Ukraine 
to hold talks with Zelensky, basically saying, hey, don't worry about it. We are going to continue to support you. We've taken in over 800,000 refugees in Germany, uh, says Olaf Scholz. We're going to continue to support Ukraine as long as it needs. You also saw Olaf Scholz flying into Serbia the other day, remember, where he was pressuring Serbian uh, President uh, Vucic to make sure that they're, they're going to sanction Russia. Um, so they are going full court press to try to make sure that Vladimir Zelensky is happy. But the same thing can't be said of what's happening from President Biden and actually some other NATO allies, which we'll get into in a second. So they have this sort of fake relationship, right? This sort of puppet relationship. I mean, is it fair to say, like, you're not really a friend if, like, we tell you everything to say, right? If we put you in a place and we tell you what to say and we feed you talking points and we're giving you everything, uh, that's not really a friendship, Right. That's kind of I mean, it's, you're, you're a puppet, basically, is what you are. So here's the Daily Beast front page. Judgment Day is coming for Zelensky. That's the front page of the Daily Beast. Um, and let's go through this article a little bit, because really interesting, which, which let's point out that that is this is a left leaning rag. Mm hmm. Yeah, we should point out like, oh, the the Daily Beast, let's be honest, is pretty awful. Um, and they do yeah. they do hit piece after hit piece on on conservative journalists. So they are absolutely a left leaning rag. And if I'm not mistaken, because um, back in my day, I knew some people from the Daily Beast when I was a, an anchor in New York City. Um, and I think at one point then uh, Hillary, uh, Chelsea Clinton um, became a board member of yeah she still is a board member oh, she as still far is. As, I, as far as i know she's okay. still yes as far I, as i know she is um so what what they're saying in this piece is Zelensky's position so ukrainian president vladimir Zelensky and his advisors have been arguing in recent days that they don't want to cede any territory to russia in an ongoing war in ukraine now this is an interesting about face right because a few months ago we were hearing that Zelensky was ready to come to the table and make some concessions and then Western leaders were like, no, 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 you can't. There's no talk of peace. You cannot. You cannot talk peace. You can't go in there. And, of course, Henry Kissinger came out and said the only way that this ends, of course, is if Ukraine cedes the eastern portion of, of its territory to Russia uh, in the Donbass region. That's it. Like, you've got to hand that over, and then you can come to the peace talks and have a settlement agreement. Uh, but this... You know, Daily Beast piece says Zelensky's position, which he and advisors have repeated countless times, is well supported through the country. Eighty two percent of Ukrainians are against giving up that territory. I'd like to really dive into that poll and see some of the polling data exactly on that. OK, <laughs> um, Zelensky has said Ukrainian fighters are capable of pushing back Russian forces and even suggested they want to push Russia back, not just to pre-February levels, but wind the clock back all the way back before 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's going to happen. Um, so, again, this reckoning that you're hearing and the Washington Post also covering this story and talking about the incredible pushback that Washington is now providing. So here's the Washington Post. Wait, can I? Yeah, go ahead. Really quick, before you move on from, the, from that last statement that you read saying that they're pushing back against the, the Russian 2014 are they actually trying to blame russia on the uh how the don uh, the donbass region was attacked by the north like is that what they're trying to do there it, well that and crimea yeah so they're trying to say we want to we want to wind the clock back pre-2014 minsk agreements like and and wind that territory back good luck with that why don't you go back 200 years while you're at it you know why don't you go back to 
Why don't you go back even before, uh, go back, you know, to in the 1800s. Before cell phones. Yeah, go back, go back even further than that if you can. Um, so they are right now facing this new reality where Zelensky, you know, he's going to be back at the negotiating table. And so they say in this piece, you know, it, Zelensky knows it's not a matter of when, not if he'll be back in the negotiating table. And said last week, he thinks this war will be decided on the battlefield. Uh, but eventually, it, uh, it, but admitted eventually, he will be trying to make a deal once more. He says victory must be achieved on the battlefield. Okay, so that's what he's saying now. But it seems odd because a few weeks ago, a few months ago, he was ready to negotiate and have a negotiated settlement. And Western leaders said, you better not. And Boris Johnson, remember, flew in to make sure that there was no peace. Why? Of course, it's money. It's, of course, the military industrial complex. So here's the Washington Post article. Put this back up on the screen if you'd be so kind. For some in NATO, it'd be better for the Ukrainians to keep fighting and dying than to achieve a peace, right? That was the Washington Post piece, and that's sort of the NATO framing of it. It's better for the Ukrainians to keep fighting and dying than to achieve a peace. We know that's the case. We know that's what they want. We know that they want to use Ukraine as, a, you know, as just a proxy battlefield and the total destruction of Ukraine. Noam Chomsky, of course, has said there's two ways that this, that this ends. Either Ukraine is totally destroyed or there's a settlement and an agreement with Russia. Because as Scott Ritter, I sat down with Scott Ritter in an interview that's going to air uh, in a few days. And one of the things he says is um, this is absolutely going to end badly. We have been watching every detail of their communications. We've been involved actively in battlefield um, coordination. So this idea that we don't know what's going on or don't have a coordination with, with uh, the Ukrainians is absolutely absurd. And we control everything. Watch this. You're 100% right. It's, it's, it's more than that. You know, we, we have a hand-in-glove relationship with their intelligence services. CIA has had one of the largest... Um, uh, you know, uh, stations in Kiev, because it wasn't just uh, about, you know, being in Ukraine, it's about using Ukraine as a window into Russia. Um, you know, the, the interactivity between Ukraine and Russia was immense. And so the, the you know, we had our, uh, our CIA office there, and they were literally using their, their post in Kiev to spy on Russia. So it's a massive, massive effort. And then we, we got involved in uh, what's called information operations or information warfare, where we work with the uh, Ukrainian intelligence services to shape public perception by, um, you know, disseminating misinformation, lies, sometimes disseminating the truth. You know, it's not always Russia is not perfect. Russia makes mistakes. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's used to take these mistakes and give them bring them to light. Uh, but we had been working with the Ukrainian intelligence services hand in glove for many years uh, prior to this, trying to spin what was going on in Donbass, trying to spin the Crimea, et cetera. So when this conflict started, we already had in place a gigantic machine where the CIA is working with the Ukrainians to spin this data. And the one thing about spinmeisters is they have to know what their objective is, which means they have to know what reality is. So the CIA knows exactly what the truth is on the ground. Their job is now to shape perception so that the truth is either highlighted where it needs to be highlighted or suppressed where it needs to be suppressed. So we have absolute insight into the thinking of the Ukrainian uh, government via our connections with the uh, intelligence service. Yeah. So we know exactly what's going on there. And we've been 
absolutely working with them hand in glove for years going back. I mean, you know, even prior to 2014. So the only way this ends is with the total destruction of Ukraine or a peace agreement where Ukraine gives up the eastern belt of the country. Now, I sat down with Kavork Almasian, who's a journalist who's been in the Donbass region, and he says Russia just needs that eastern belt section, and it's absolutely game over. And we can stop talking about this being an endless battle, and we're going to push back pre-2014 you know, levels. It's a joke. Here's, listen to what Kavork has to say about this. First of all, Russia is not going to lose this war. And no. everyone, anyone who says Ukraine is winning... They don't know anything about the war. They don't read maps. If you check the map of the control over, over Ukraine, you know how Russia is grabbing the land in order to turn Ukraine into an inland. So, so it will deprive Ukraine from its geopolitical importance. Russia doesn't need to occupy Ukraine. They just need to occupy uh, from um, Donetsk, uh, the Donbass region, okay, all, uh, to Mariupol and all the way to Odessa. Just the belt. And when they do that, Ukraine is irrelevant. They, right. they, will lose, they will lose their geopolitical importance and they will lose the wheat. And this is very important. Uh, the food security that we were talking about. So after this war, Russia will be in, in control of uh, uh, like a bigger, very big share of the energy and a very big share of the wheat. So it will have uh, Russia will have will will come out of this war stronger, and those who will pay the heaviest price are the European countries and especially mm. Germany. Mm. Especially Germany. So no wonder we're going to get to Germany just here in a moment. So how important Germany is to this entire thing. So you have this back and forth now, where the White House and you see Western intel, you see little newspapers starting to throw Zelensky under the bus saying, you know, that they're, they're failing. They need, they're eventually going to have to come to the peace table, which is interesting because all of those Western rags a few weeks ago were saying this, no, they need to fight. We need to send more weapons. We need to send more weapons. So there's this weird like dichotomy unfolding right now where you have European leaders taking a train, getting into, uh, you know, arriving in Kiev and saying, Hey, we are with you. We are with you. We're going to continue to funnel weapons here. So here's the Biden. Well, one thing too, really quick, is just like people need to understand that this was everybody calls it a Russian attack on Ukraine. Understand that if Russia would have actually wanted to attack Ukraine, they could level Ukraine. So this was a liberation. They only want to liberate people that want that were ethnic speaking Russians in the Donbass region and the Beltway area. So this is a liberation because, like I said, if they decide that they're going to go in and they're going to think they're going to attack Russia then you're right, they will get destroyed. But it, but the thing is, like, it's been painted as that's what it is. It, it's been painted that Russia has attacked Ukraine, but that is not the case. Hmm. Yeah, and so, of course, you have that, you know, Russia calls it a special operation, and and there's, of course, the debate in the Western media, you know, where did this begin? Of course, if you go back to 2014, that's where it started. So the White House today, uh, once again, <laughs> here's a statement from President Biden calling for the additional support for Ukraine. So let me just read through this. I informed, uh, you know, I, this morning I spoke with President Zelensky to discuss Russia's brutal and ongoing war against Ukraine. I reaffirmed my commitment that the United States will stand by Ukraine as it defends its democracy and supports its sovereignty and territorial integrity. 
So now they're going back on this once again to remind us all. And it says, I informed Zelensky that the United States is providing another $1 billion in security assistance for Ukraine, including additional artillery and coastal defense weapons and ammunition for artillery and rocket systems. Now, Scott Ritter said here on the show the other day, if they're asking for all of these additional things, that means they are out of those things. If they need additional artillery, that means that people died manning those artillery stations, four or five individuals that were hot, were shot and killed and destroyed, and now they need additional artillery. It is not going well for them. And the Deputy Defense Secretary, Kathleen Hicks, also yesterday, she was at a tech event. She was interviewed about this, and she says, we're prepared to fund the war basically forever. This is Kathleen Hicks here. She says, Ukraine will survive, and the U.S. is preparing to arm it for years. <laughs> says Kathleen Hicks. Are you ready? I mean, are you guys ready at home to be arming Ukraine for years? When the only way that this well, ends would, is a settlement. Like, to, like you already talked about and clarified that there's no accounting for where any of this stuff goes. So we don't know where the money's gone. We don't know where the weapons are actually going to end up or where they're going. Like there's the, the word on the street is they end up all over Europe and, and possibly in other bad hands. So there's no accounting. There's no trail. I mean, that's that's what Rand Paul was trying to get added to that bill was some kind of accounting. But we'll probably never know where any of this has gone. The, fi the over 54 billion now, all these weapons. No, as we've covered here it's on the insane. show, yeah, I mean, we've talked about the black market that has now emerged. So there's a very robust black market for selling American weapons. We showed you the websites. We showed you, it's like an eBay for the dark web where you can actually go and buy our Javelin missiles if you want. $30,000 starting bid for one of our Javelin missiles that we just sent them for free. $30,000 starting bid just to buy some of those. And then not to mention stingers and other, uh, and other weapons and heavy weapons and guns and ammunition and everything else. So take my laptop if you would here, Phil, uh, Philip, because um, so this, the deputy uh, here, again, here's what she said. The, um, the deputy defense secretary, she says, I think we can assure ourselves today that there will be a country called Ukraine. It will be a sovereign country and that country will have a military that will need to defend it. And also, as we look ahead, we're thinking through what are the kind of capabilities that the Ukrainians need to protect themselves over the long term? So what does that mean? Right. I mean, because we just announced an additional long range artillery, helicopters, heavy weapons to Ukraine as part of that $700 million arms package. But we're looking now five, 10 years or 20 years in the future. <laughs> so as Americans can't pay their bills, you can't buy food, you can't pay for gas. We're looking 20 years into the future. Like that's how far the Pentagon is thinking about Ukraine right now. And so... Again, this well, it's just a, another money funnel for like like Afghanistan. They're like Afghanistan's gone. Where can we funnel money? Oh, we were already funneling money into those labs. Uh, let's just let's just do Ukraine. They're they're a corrupt government. We can probably do some good stuff there. Yeah, I mean, and we predicted this, didn't we, on the show? I mean, we knew oh, yeah. that this is exactly what a proxy war is, right? It's it's we're going to carry out an endless war against Russia. Our goal is to sort of grind down Russia so that they are sort of squeezed into submission over 10, 20 years. That's a new form of a Cold War that we want with, with, uh, with Vladimir Putin. It's I don't know, working. though. Like, I feel, when Philip brought up that point, like, 
what, when, when, what point does it become no longer a proxy war? Because we're providing the weapons. The, some U.S. soldiers actually got captured yeah, uh, by Russian soldiers uh, the other day. Yeah. Um, so is this really a proxy war? We're providing all the weapons. We're, we're telling them what to do. We're actually like our generals are talking to Zelensky and saying, hey, you know, you should do this. So like at what point does it stop being proxy? I know. I guess we can get in, you know, into semantics. I guess if we had like a <laughs> land, like a land invasion of U.S. infantry. I guess that's when it's no longer a proxy war. But, you know, in the in the stages of modern warfare, does that even matter anymore? You know, we're, we're sending drones, we're sending helicopters, we're sending heavy weapons, we're sending everything else. We are literally working with them hand in glove, giving them in uh, intelligence targets and GPS coordinates and everything else. So what more do you need? We we and I love that she I mean, said in that like, piece, literally. she said their sovereignty. They're not sovereign and they're not a democracy. We're basically running the show over there. So. What sovereignty, what democracy are you talking about? And it's like if, if, a, if a United States bomb hits a Russian target, right, the, the bomb that, that Zelensky had and he shot, he didn't even pay for it because we've sent him that for free. So when, isn't that still our bomb being shot at them? So it's like we're still in there because let's, if, if, would it be different if Zelensky actually purchased the bomb? Like, okay, so <laughs> they purchased it. Now Ukraine owns it. So technically it's not a U.S. bomb at that point, but they haven't purchased anything. Well, no, and a lot of it, they've if they have, it's done on debt, right? So they're they're actually in debt now to the United States, um, and so so they're they're yeah they're in debt to the United States to buy weapons to have uh, to have uh, to have money extra money funneled into that country, and as we saw over the past twenty four hours, NATO targets also NATO weapons. Russia has said that they've hit NATO weapons inside of Ukraine. Now, they've publicly said that, which we know that's been happening for a long time. As soon as some of our heavy weapons arrive, they're hitting these targets. So it just is like an endless cycle of, of weaponry. And hey, Raytheon's doing well. Their stock's up. Uh, Boeing's doing well. All of, these big all of these big defense contractors are doing well. Meanwhile, I want to talk about the Netherlands. So let's go to the Netherlands where, you know, just before we get to kind of the Netherlands, you remember the other day in Mexico, you had the Mexican president standing up to President Biden and saying what NATO and Biden are doing in Ukraine is immoral, right? What they're doing, this proxy war, funneling billions of dollars and in weapons into that country is immoral, right? That's what Mexico said. I saw a lot of people in our comments on that video that said it's about time that a Mexican president had balls, right? Well, maybe the same could be said huevos. of huevos, huevos rancheros. Um, maybe the same could be said of the Netherlands, where the prime minister, the Dutch prime minister, um, has come out and said that NATO, uh, that, that NATO is using Ukraine as a proxy against Russia, calling it what it is, calling it what it is. So Dutch prime minister Mark Rutte, am I saying that right to our Dutch viewers, um, has called on to, uh, called to equip Ukrainian forces with enough weapons and gear to defeat the Russian army and military. Um, arguing that Kiev must deal the blows as a direct confrontation between NATO and Moscow is still off the table. Speaking to reporters after hosting a meeting with NATO Secretary Jen Stoltenberg and several European leaders on Tuesday, he said a Ukrainian victory may still be attainable if the U.S.-led military bloc provides sufficient lethal aid. <laughs> In terms of weaponry, we stand united here. That is critical for Russia to lose the war, he said, suggesting that Ukraine should serve as a conduit for Western arms in order to maximize pain inflicted on Moscow. So he's basically saying exactly what we've been saying. It is a proxy. So he's letting the cat out of the bag, but much different than the way the Mexican president described it, right? The Mexican president said, we're using this as a proxy war and it's immoral. 
the Dutch prime minister saying quite the opposite, calling it a proxy war, but not quite having the same level of balls, I think, as the Mexican president. And just letting the cat out of the bag to say, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing. We're using NATO as we are. We're using Ukraine as a punching bag to further our ends. Well, and and Assad of Syria announced that uh, he's going to start the official procedure for recognizing the 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 Donetsk People's Republic mm-hmm. in uh, Ukraine. So, yeah. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Who said that? Assad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there are there are world leaders that that aren't on board with what we're doing because they know what we've done in either their country or what we've done. Like we've done things all over the world. And these some of these countries aren't going to go along. It's only the NATO ones that we give money to. So, you know, the, the Dutch, the Dutch prime minister, though, basically saying we need to keep it a proxy. OK, we need to keep it as a proxy. Um, he says we cannot have a direct confrontation between NATO, NATO troops and Russia. What we need to do is make sure that Ukraine can fight that war. And basically, we just need to funnel as much weapons, as many weapons as possible into Ukraine. The same thing, of course, comes from Stoltenberg, who said the alliance is stepping up to supply more arms to Kiev and Ukraine should have more heavy weapons. So they're going to have this Madrid summit here at uh, Ukraine at the end of uh, at the end of June. We're going to be watching that closely where member states are going to be coming together um, to strengthen their posture. So NATO, um, you know, again, NATO firming up its position to say we are not going anywhere. EU leaders flying in or taking the train into um, into Kiev to say we are with you. We are going to provide more money, more weapons. And this is just an endless cycle, endless cycle. Um, unbelievable. Well, if I can, if I can pop in real quick. So the, and it's kind of what I was, I made the point like a couple of weeks ago and David just referred to it, but the, the, it isn't necessarily semantics exactly that what it's, it's not really a proxy war because one of the, one of the people that would be engaged in that proxy war is actually active combatant. So because it's, it's Russia in Ukraine, and we're backing Ukraine, like we're using Ukraine as that proxy, but it's not necessarily a proxy war because Russia is actually there, which is the point where if we actually actively start taking place, it becomes just a war. So there is, there's, no, there's, there's not that second degree of separation on Russia's side that there is on the U.S. side. So, so that becomes problematic. And I think that's, you know, like as much as we're funneling into this, the, the real danger then becomes the moment we put American troops officially in Ukraine, it stops being a proxy war and it is now just a flat out war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's where the American people, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you're seeing the tide turning in the United States. Absolutely seeing this. I mean, how many people watching our show right now are OK with a U.S. invasion of Ukraine to provide actual oh, we, forces? We did there? a poll. Oh, yeah. What was the we result of our poll here on the show? And it was like close to 50,000 votes and it was like 90 some percent don't buy that like aren't in favor of what's going on. And I just saw an article uh, yesterday or the day before where they were trying to figure out how, like where can we get Zelensky in to get the people, American people on board again? Like they're trying to figure out ways that they can get Zelensky to keep talking to the American people, uh, like at the NATO um, thing or whatever, this convention or whatever's coming up. They're just trying to figure out ways to get us on board because they know that they've lost a lot of us. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what propaganda you know, again, I think the, the, the propaganda stories they've been trying, there's independent journalists there who have been uh, who've been covering these stories 
and they've been, we can't get into it here because we'll be deplatformed, but uh, there's been independent journalists who've been revealing the truth about what's been happening there. And that's been undercutting a lot of what's been happening in the media. Uh, and of course, that's where a lot of people get deplatformed for telling the truth in what's uh, in, in Ukraine. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know where they could go propaganda wise to kind of win back. Because you remember at the beginning, I mean, all of these people had like Ukrainian flags hanging on their front lawns. They everyone turned their Twitter bio into a Ukrainian flag. Uh, I think maybe that ship has sailed now. And it seems like the American attention is being more focused now on China and Taiwan anyway. Um, so I don't know. I, we're going to start to hear a lot of like anti-China rhetoric, you know, maybe that's where our attention will go next. It's going <laughs> to move towards China. And of course, yeah, who else, you know, who else can we think of that we can turn our attention to? Uh, well, and this all this all ties into your story of 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 uh, um, censorship that we're going to be talking about and how important it is that we fight that because of what's coming. Because had we not had independent journalists during this time on Twitter and all these places, we would not know what's going on in Ukraine and they would be able to control the narrative. And that's what they're afraid of. They know they lost this narrative. They lost the narrative during the pandemic. They've lost several narratives now. And so that is why the censorship is coming. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I should say, uh, we're gonna move on because uh, I wanna talk about what's happening with these bio labs in Ukraine. And we're going to talk about censorship. We're going to talk about Justin Trudeau and the move around Parliament. What happened in Canada over the past 24 hours is just astonishing. So we'll, we'll go there. And then we're going to talk about the United Kingdom. So we're, we're covering the world today here on the show. Uh, but I do want to tell you, it's interesting. Um, I don't know how many of you are subscribers of our channel on our, on our YouTube channel. Um, but we are, we are actually closing in right now. I think we're closing in on 900,000 subscribers on our channel. So just, yeah, right here on Redacted. So thank you to all of you who are subscribed here over the years. Um, if please. that subscribe button underneath your video is red, click it. Yeah, click, click it. it and, see if we can hit 900. Let's see. I want to see Let's who will be the 900,000th uh, viewer subscriber of our show tonight. See, Let's see if we can do that. Let's get to it tonight. Um, I really appreciate you there. Um, okay. So let's talk about these biolabs. So biolabs is a story we've been covering, a bombshell story out of Ukraine. And we're Clayton, gonna, yo. I thought this show was not a conspiracy theory show. That is a conspiracy theory. There's no evidence of that. Oh, really? So I don't. Yeah. Come on now. Well, there, you know, that's how it was being played in the early days, right? It was all a conspiracy theory. It was all Alex Jones craziness, right? Well, Biolabs confirmed, right? And we, of course, uh, you know, the Pentagon is now admitting. So we can take this screen here. I know we're a little out of order here, but we can come back to this in a second. But U.S. asked to explain. Pentagon now admits to operating 46 Biolabs in Ukraine after months of denial. <laughs> okay, that's the headline. So the Pentagon is finally admitting it now, right? And they're having to kind of dig out and explain it. We'll get to why in just a second. But we've got a big update on these biolabs. And that Pentagon little chunk isn't even the biggest piece of this. So for some context here, remember when all of those purported biolabs were operating in Ukraine and the liberal media said it was all a huge hoax and it was all an Alex Jones level conspiracy theory or a Tucker Carlson conspiracy theory because he was one of the only mainstream media people actually covering this story. Everyone else was basically ignoring it. We covered the story from day one because we knew that the evidence was overwhelming. In fact, shortly after the liberal media freaked out 
We found right on U.S. government websites, Department of Defense and embassy websites, that the U.S. was, in fact, funding biolabs in Ukraine, dozens of them. We showed you the documents right here. We showed you their websites, the government's own websites. So the liberal hoax was starting to fall apart. And then, of course, this happened. Watch. I only have a minute left. Let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Last question. Um, I, I am certain that the Russians were looking at their foreign at their reserves as a way to buffer sanctions. Do you know how now that we've sanctioned the central bank along with others, what do we have an idea what percentage of their reserves are frozen or inaccessible to them? Uh, virtually all of them are. So that was Victoria Newland, of course. Victoria Newland, instrumental in. Uh, organizing the coup in 2014 to install a puppet regime there. So she knows all about Ukraine. Um, but that was a bombshell moment, right? Victoria Nuland admitting, yeah, there are biolabs there. And then, of course, Marco Rubio fills her mind and, and mouth with, uh, with other things to say about it. So what happened to those biolabs? Hmm. Well, a document just released by Russian news outlet in Zvesta on Tuesday reportedly shows Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky ordered that his government destroy all the documents related to the nation's biolabs being run in collaboration with the Hunter Biden-connected firm Meadowbiota. That's the name of the company. Thanks to reporter Kayleen McBreen for bringing us the story. She writes that independent journalist Clandestine posted a translated version of the document to his Substack page and provided a detailed explanation of why the Ukrainian government paper is so important. So this is the translated document. The document is dated February 24th, 2022. It was issued on the very first day of Russia's military advancement into Ukraine. That's what the translated document said. The letter stated, quote, the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, with the participation of the Security Service of Ukraine in connection with the conduct of martial law in Ukraine from February 24th, 2022, in accordance with the decree of the president of Ukraine, organized the devastation and the destruction of personal files of servicemen, employees, and staff of the state institution, the Center for Public Health, of the Ministry of Health of Ukraine, the Ukrainian Research Anti-Plague Institute, the Mekhanov of the Ministry of Health of Ukraine, it goes on, the Zodomayr Regional and Laboratory Centers of the Ministry of Health of Ukraine, and it goes on, and I want you to read this last line. It says, which worked together with scientists from Meadowbiota, the Hunter Biden connected 
Biolab. So we're asking you to destroy all of this information and documents associated with this. This letter came out on the 24th of February. Do you know what day that is? That's like the day of the invasion, right? How convenient of all of that. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. What's even more amazing is that as American media started cover the invasion that day, right? It was wall-to-wall coverage, right? Because, you know, CNN's ratings were in the absolute toilet. Um, other mainstream media channels' uh, ratings uh, were in the toilet. NBC, NBC's Today Show uh, did wall-to-wall coverage of it. And NBC that morning, this is unbelievable, okay? NBC that morning on the Today Show um, may have accidentally aired the footage of all of those paper documents being burned as ordered by Zelensky. So watch this report from NBC News. We're back at 7.30 with the sights and sounds of war. Something unfathomable, Russian helicopters attacking targets in Ukraine this morning. Ukrainian forces firing back. This is the most significant fighting in Europe since World War II. And of course, that's our top story. President Biden said to... Okay, so then they go to a reporter. So I'm going to go a little bit further here. Now, she's she's reporting. Okay, there's this Erin McLaughlin there. She's in Kiev. And then so she starts talking. Land and sea in the watch small this. hours of the morning here in the capital. People were woken up to the sounds of explosions followed by sirens a number of missiles okay so she's standing in front of this burning now that looks like a burning building right from afar you think oh like that yeah clearly there's there's the signs of war right there right now look closer at the building it's not hit at all there's no damage at all. This building wasn't hit and this area wasn't even attacked. OK, but keep watching because here's what happens. Have hit a variety of different military installations here in the capital, including the military intelligence headquarters, which is just four miles from where I am standing now, 20 miles. OK, now look very closely at your screen. The building is totally attacked. That, my friends, is not a military attack. What you're seeing there from the capital is the town of Hostomel. What are we they are doing? now hearing that Russian helicopters are assaulting the airport. What they're doing is they're throwing bags of paper. <laughs> they're throwing bags of paper into a fire. So NBC News may have inadvertently uh, actually captured these guys burning the documents. Even Germany, even Germany's own DW News reported this separately. This strange occurrence at that government building. Here's their tweet and coverage. Uniformed men, or uh, yeah, uniformed, is that say uniform or uninformed? Uniformed. <laughs> uniformed. Yeah, uniformed. My brain is like, uniformed <laughs> Uniformed men were seen burning documents out. Look, so you can, you can even see them pulling out filings and paper outside of the Defense Ministry Intelligence Headquarters in Kiev. Ukraine said some of its military command centers have been hit by Russian strikes, but this building is appears to be intact. And the video proves that it is. These guys are just gingerly walking, clearing out files and throwing them into the fire. You didn't see that in the mainstream media. What's more, now the Pentagon is being forced to come clean about these biolabs by the Chinese. Here's Steve Sweeney writing over at Morningstar. The Pentagon now admits that it is involved in 46 laboratory health facilities and disease diagnostic sites in Ukraine over the last 20 years. I have a lot of questions 
But I'm sure there's I'm sure there's absolutely no gain of function research going on there. Absolutely mm. none, because that's like unethical. Totally unethical. Totally uneth- unethical. Because well, we now know you're you're right about that. Actually, I have a lot of questions, and President Biden oh. certainly has some explaining to do. Like, how in the world were President Biden and the Department of Defense able to begin research on COVID nineteen in Ukraine three months before the virus outbreak was made public? Yeah, see, this is where people are like, "Oh, that's a conspiracy theory." No, no, no. Now we have the proof. We just showed you the proof. We have the government well, documents. I. I bring this up all the time, and there's an article in 2017 where Fauci told D- Donald Trump that not that there may be, not that the it's highly likely, but there would be a pandemic during his presidency. He was confident there would be. That's how he stated it. And and having now going back and knowing what we know, like. Well, and, it's, and the it's wor- like, can, can you draw any other conclusion? Well, I've covered in videos here on the channel about the World Economic Forum. They literally had a meeting about this. They knew they had planned and literally had this written in stone and planned in August of 2019. Remember December 2019? That's when we first heard about COVID, right? So how, how are you having a meeting about this in August? How three months earlier were you literally finding, you know, this, this information and research, you're actually studying COVID-19 in Ukraine three months before the virus outbreak. How then are you asking people to burn documents from a government decree from Vladimir Zelensky? We have the documents now. Like, it's there, guys. <laughs> like, you know, conspiracy theories, as we always say on this show, are simply spoiler alerts. That's all they are. I want to take a moment. We're going to move on. we got a lot of other news to get to here on the show. Coming up, we're going to talk about all of this censorship. You're not going to believe what the United States government is planning on disinformation and censorship in the United States. Uh, We're also going to talk about what's happening in Canada on censorship. Uh, We're going to talk about what's happening in Japan on censorship and Germany. So, you know, buckle your seatbelts, guys. Censorship and disinformation campaigns are literally uh, taking front and center uh, for your internet days. The, the internet is probably going to be permanently altered going forward. Uh, we're also going to talk about refugees. But first, I want to talk about, I know it's summer, and the last thing that people won't even focus on right now is life insurance. But hear me out, especially you parents out there who want to, you know, think about taking care of your family and make it very, very easy to do. That's our friends over at Fabric. They have an incredible term life insurance policy that can be customized to your family. You can be up and running in just 10 minutes so you can fully enjoy your summer summer worry-free because your family will be protected. So Fabric was built by parents for parents to help make it easier to manage your family's finances. Now, I had a meeting with these guys, and I was really impressed with how much they focus on the family and designing a plan that's customized for the family. So everything is on your schedule. You don't need to schedule anything to make time for phone calls or appointments. You can do it all on the internet. Just apply online when it's convenient for you. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply and see your quote, and they get your personalized quote to fit your family's needs for life insurance. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Fabric's online hub lets you handle all of your family finances in one place, not just life insurance. You can create a will on there, start your kid's college savings plan. How many of you watching right now have a will? So many people make the mistake of not having a will. Look, I used to, you know, I'm a real estate investor, so I understand what happens when people don't take care of these things. And then you're 
the property that you have or the things you own end up going through probate court and go to a judge? Do you want a judge handling who gets your property in the event that you're not around anymore? No, you do not. So you make sure you handle that and Fabric takes care of all of that. Their online hub lets you handle all of your family finances in one place, all right there. So go to their website right now, just watch their video and apply. Um, after the show, we'll have a link in the description so you can check it out. Protect your family's financial future with Fabric. Apply today and in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash redacted. So the website is M-E-E-T, meetfabric, M-E-E-T, meetfabric.com slash redacted. So you have to use that URL um, so you can apply in just 10 minutes. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life. They're not available in New York and Montana. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. That's meetfabric.com slash redacted. Our thanks to them for supporting the show. So I'm probably going to get that and use it because my current will just says that everybody at my funeral gets a taser and the last man standing gets my stuff. <laughs> I probably need to update that. Yeah, you probably got to update that. Is that really what yours yeah. says? You probably, you, as, as, according to Facebook, yes. That's what it says. Like, that's what you just put it up. And actually, that counts. That's like a legally binding will. Like, if you put that out on Facebook and you're like, well, this is the only evidence we could find that David's last will and testament is here on Facebook. Yeah, because so, it says, my, my last will and testament. And then it says, everybody gets a taser and the last man standing gets my stuff. Oh, man. But the, the, best, the best part about that is, the best part about that is, is uh, I know how to get into his house. So by the time it comes to tasers, I'll be long gone. Oh, yeah, you'll have all of this stuff. You'd have all of this shit. (laughs) Exactly. All right, we got more news to get to here. We're going to talk about uh, a number of big stories. But at first, I want you to make sure you're all subscribed as we're closing in on 10,000. We're closing in on 900,000 subscribers on the channel. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. We've got about, uh, uh, we've got about, yeah, we got a few. No live math, Clayton. No live math. Yeah, I can't do math live like that. That's the rule. Yeah, so... Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're we are working on it. All right, let's talk about disinformation, and let's talk about censorship. And we've got a whole lot to get to on the censorship front today. There's a lot of different countries that are screwing with you, and they're trying to make sure that you don't have a voice on the internet. So while you were out there worried about paying more for gasoline and putting food on your table, the White House continues to press forward with increased censorship against speech it doesn't like while at the same time spending your taxpayer dollars on speech that it does like. So yeah, it's if, if you need me to unpack that a little bit, it's taking your tax dollars and it's actually funneling it out to institutions and governments that it likes their speech and providers of speech in other countries and in the, and in the United States. Might even be exact opposite of what your speech is. They're using your tax dollars to do that. We'll get there in a second. More on that in a second. But first, the White House is trying to push big tech companies to censor voices that it doesn't like by labeling it as disinformation. So there was a big Axios event yesterday. And I love when these news organizations pretend to be, uh, pretend to be fair and independent. And then, you know, Axios particularly is like brought to you by Raytheon, you know, sponsored by Chevron. So Axios held an event yesterday with the White House in a conversation on battling misinformation. This is an Axios panel on battling misinformation. And White House National Climate Advisor, Gina McCarthy, decided to jump online 
And she was there to talk about how she plans to jump in and fight misinformation and disinformation. Listen to the climate czar under President Biden. We have to get tighter. We have to get better at communicating. And frankly, the tech companies have to stop allowing specific individuals over and over again to spread disinformation. That's what the fossil fuel companies pay for. That's what folks who make money out of fossil fuels and don't make money and, and, and don't care about saving consumers costs. That's what they do. We have to be smarter than that. And we need the tech companies to really jump in. All right, so I'm going to keep the screen up for it. Oh, sorry. Can you go back to that screen? Uh, the reason I wanted to bring the screen back up here is because, first of all, do you see how we're talking about we need to have big tech companies stepping in and get them have tighter, she says. We also need to have the fossil fuel companies uh, reined in so they can't spread misinformation. So we need to basically tell these companies to stop spreading misinformation. We need to censor them is what the Biden administration wants to do. But notice at the bottom of the screen is presented by 3M. So this Axios in the infodemic age is brought to you by 3M. And then Axios, of course, if you go to their website on any kind of regular basis, you'll see that a lot of their stories, this story is brought to you by, you know, this, you know, this tech company or this uh, weapons manufacturer. So these are who this is who you're getting your information from. And I love like the bobblehead there from Axios, who's just like shaking her head. Yeah, totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Thank you for joining us. I totally agree. Everything you're saying, I'm just going to shake my head because that's what we do in the mainstream media. Well, and, you know, th this kind of everybody argues, yeah, but these social media companies, they're private companies. You know, you don't have free speech on these companies and there. People are absolutely right. They don't. It should be kind of like what the, a guide that they go by. But. As soon as this starts, as soon as the government starts actively telling them what is and isn't disinformation, then that is a violation of our First Amendment. Right. And they're going to decide. So you're right. I mean, they're going to tell us what's right, what's accurate. Now, Axios said the purpose of the event was to examine the real world impacts of misinformation on public health and climate. So that's what she, you know, she was there to make sure that we understand what is the real world accounting of that. Of course, this isn't the first or the last time. Jen Psaki, you'll recall, here's, here's an article from 2021. Biden's press secretary admits federal government is flagging content for Facebook to censor. So don't forget that just last year, the White House admitted in a stunning moment that they were actively coordinating with Facebook on the phone regularly to flag posts of United States citizens for being problematic and containing different uh, misinformation about uh, COVID. We only learned this because a reporter asked this question. Listen to this question of Jen Psaki at the press conference. We, we believe that all of us, uh, social media companies, platforms, uh, where a lot of this misinformation travels, uh, the media, state and local officials, uh, it's important for everybody to step up. And certainly the pushback against disinformation, information that is, um, you know, literally a matter of life and death is something that is going to be a continued focus of this administration. You are right that obviously decisions to regulate or hold to account uh, any platform would certainly be a policy decision. But in the interim, we're going to continue to call out disinformation and call out where that information travels. Does the president have plans to speak with Mark Zuckerberg at all about this? There's no plans that I'm aware of. Go ahead. Nice try, Caitlin, to get that answer. She's the one that asked the question, so that's the only reason we know about it. 
Caitlin, by the way, is a great reporter. Uh, so what is this coordination? Like we're coordinating with them. Well, apart from getting them to remove posts and accounts of people they don't like, they're also asking Facebook to serve up positive news to those people. Uh, here again, here is here. Take our propaganda. Basically, here, here's our propaganda. We want you to serve up our propaganda to people on Facebook. So we want you to silence their voices. If they post things we don't like, take it down. We're on the phone with Facebook regularly asking them to do that. And so then Jen Psaki was asked to clarify this. Like, well, wait a second. You're actually coordinating with Facebook and social media companies to censor Americans? Can you be more specific, please? And by the way, this has not stopped. This is happening right now. So just because Jen Psaki it's is behind the podium. It's only gotten worse, actually. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. It's gotten worse. Just because Jen Psaki is no longer behind the podium, don't think for a second that this has stopped. It's gotten worse, to David's point. So here's Jen Psaki laying out exactly how they coordinate with Facebook. Uh, it's important to take faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, information travels quite quickly on social media platforms. Sometimes it's not accurate, and Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, uh, uh, violative posts. Posts that will be within their policies for removal often remain up for days. That's too long. The information spreads too quickly. Finally. Oh, you mean, uh, just to be clear. Uh, just like your fake Twitter posts that were up for days when people reported it as fake news. Even Jake Tapper asked Dr. Fauci about these fake news stories about uh, uh, that, that were coming out of the White House that were up on Twitter. Like, why was it up there and not removed for days? It's been up there for days. It, why isn't somebody doing about this disinformation? We uh, have proposed they promote quality information sources in their feed algorithm. Facebook has repeatedly shown that they have the leverage to promote quality information. We've seen them effectively do this. Um, in oh, well, let me, <laughs> let me say this about quality information. Whenever you sign up for any of these apps, you sign up for YouTube, you sign up for Facebook, any of them. So what Facebook and all of them do is then they sit there and they say, okay, we recommend CNN, Fox News, all this. These are the news uh, agencies that they are calling good information. When we have proven over and over and over again that the majority of the stories are hyperbole and have no uh, base in fact, and those are the ones that they're saying are the good information. Right. Yeah, who are the good information ones? The people in this White House press briefing room, right? The people we invite to be here, right? Uh, and so those are the like the the state funded, basically uh, government funded news organizations. Like you know, those are that's 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 who we want you to share information with. Don't you love it when you start open like open your Google News app or or you open like Apple News app or you open one of these apps for the first time and it gives you suggested news sources. And like CNN is always right there, you know, as a suggested yeah. news source. Do you want, I have do you never want, once seen a good third party ever. No. Like you don't see redacted news being promoted in there. And I and, would love and it. You look at some of the news programs on TV and we're getting more viewers than them. Yeah, we have more people watching our show right now than 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 uh, than people are watching CNN, you know, on a like uh, on a regular basis. So, um, yeah. So you open up these news apps, you get like CNN, you get Reuters as a choice. But. I just love this idea that Jen Psaki says there that we're going to we're telling Facebook to push out positive news sources that get our message out. Take the these this propaganda and force it down people's throat. I want to play 
I'm going to go back to that and play this chunk again. So listen to this part. They uh, have proposed they promote quality information sources in their feed algorithm. Facebook has repeatedly shown that they have the leverage to promote quality information. We've seen them effectively do this um, in their algorithm over low quality information, and they've chosen not to use it in this case. And that's certainly an area that would have an impact. Oh, okay. So we're really working with Facebook to make sure that they do that, to censor these posts and to make sure we push out positive information stuff that our White House signs off on. That's the quality information you're going to get from your Facebook feed. The U.S. Surgeon General, uh, who then later, that about a day later, showed up at the podium at the White House to speak on this, um, sent out this tweet that says, uh, this is Dr. Vivek Murthy, uh, uh, Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General. We all have the power and responsibility to confront health misinformation. That's why we included recommendations for individuals, educators, researchers, health professionals, tech companies, and more. Learn how you can act at SurgeonGeneral.gov, how you can combat misinformation. So you recall, uh, then, of course, it's led to our disinformation governance board with Nina Jankowitz as the head of it. And now it's Michael Chertoff as the head of it. Well, Rand Paul, of course, was uh, about a week and a half ago or so was uh, or two weeks ago now um, said this about America being the purveyor of disinformation. Listen. I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last... 50 years in our country, we work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want you guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine, you know, speech by traffickers is disinformation? You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Same. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. <laughs> Such a great moment. <laughs> I might, might be like the, the best one minute uh, I've seen in years, like what he just said there. Yeah, that's like, what was that? The newsroom? Like that That just overtook the newsroom uh, with Jeff Daniels, that whole speech. And you know what's difficult is actually even to find that clip. Like we have that clip saved in our archive because it, and it really, it's you cannot find it. Like the internet, uh, like YouTube has like pulled it down. It's very difficult to find. If you find it, it's like some mashed up version of it. It's not, you, it's very difficult to find that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's been hard to even find that clip. Um, uh, maybe they've, maybe it, it's easier to find now. You can get it on C-SPAN or something, but uh, we couldn't find it on C-SPAN. We couldn't find, it's, it's amazing like to try to find that stuff. Anyway, not only is the United States government pushing an information agenda in the United States by censoring voices they don't like, now they're doing this very same thing to Russian citizens. I want you to take a look at this story. Just give me a second here to pull this up. So this story moved across the wires today. U.S. increases funding to help Russians access U.S. state-funded media. It was in a Reuters report, and Dave DeCamp uh, took it down here and, and wrote about it. But it says the U.S. is funding firms that build virtual private networks. So I want you to wrap your head around this for a second. R since Russia invaded Ukraine, the U.S. has as, as David says, increased funding of technology companies to help Russian citizens get around internet censorship and access 
United States-based media, (laughs) according to Reuters. The effort is focused on financing three companies in particular. So your tax dollars, the United States government gave to three tech companies to help Russians get information about from American media sources. Do you follow the money trail? Your money went to the U.S. government. The U.S. government then took it, gave it to tech companies that could help Russians get watch our version of CNN. Like this is what they're spending your taxpayer dollars on. They three so companies. they're trying to overtake. They're trying to push our propaganda in Russia so that the Russian people think that Russia is attacking Ukraine and and follow our narrative of what's going on in Ukraine rather than Putin's. Exactly. Yeah, and to give our, you know, so they they understand our take on China. They they have our take on everything, on democracy, on all of this stuff. Since February, the funding for three virtual private network companies has increased by nearly half. The financing is done through the Open Technology Fund, which is a nonprofit funded entirely by the U.S. government that Washington uses to support protesters in other countries by giving them tools to avoid surveillance and get around Internet censorship. The OTF is overseen by the U.S. Agency for Global Media, which runs U.S. state-funded media, including the Voice of America or Radio Free Europe. In March, Russia restricted access to Voice of America's website for publishing what it called unreliable information about the war in Ukraine. Now, of course, the United States also took down RT, which is Russia Today. They also blocked uh, the other one, uh, Sputnik News, right? Sputnik, yeah. So... Uh, Russia Today America, RT America, which, as we've talked about on this show repeatedly, there are independent journalists who work for those stations who travel the world and cover stories and who are given carte blanche to cover the stories that they want in their own voice without any pressure from their bosses um, in a way that American newsrooms are not, which is remarkable, right, to think about that. Um, And so we have amazing people who've lost their jobs at RT uh, because of this, because of this American clampdown on on free speech and, and well, and I don't know if you remember Abby Martin. Who? Abby Martin was a was a, a journalist on <laughs> RT, and she was very critical of Russia, and they never said a word to her. She had her show for years, and then it, it, all of that those that content that was actually against Russia and all that stuff, her whole archive was taken down by YouTube by the United States, not Russia. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the effort is focused on financing three companies that build private, virtual private networks to circumvent geographic internet restrictions. Between 2015 and 2021, the three firms include Nethlink, Sfion, and Lantern, received millions of dollars in U.S. funding from the U.S. government. But through the VPNs funded by the U.S. government, Russians are still able to access Voice of America and other U.S. state-funded media outlets. So we're doing our job getting them American information. The Reuters report said that VPN usage in Russia has significantly increased since the war started and Russia added internet restrictions. The report said that posters advertising these and other government-backed VPNs started appearing in Moscow once the war started. One poster contained a QR code that opened the link to the VPN, which would take users to a series of news headlines from the U.S. state-funded media. (laughs) 
The very same people that Rand Paul just talked about are the biggest purveyors of disinformation in the world. So brought to you by Pfizer. Exactly. So if you ever wondered, yeah, you sit on a throne of lies. Exactly. The CIA published instructions in Russian on its social media accounts on how to access its site on the dark web to contact the agency. The idea is for the CIA to get in touch with Russians against the war in Ukraine. This is how your tax dollars, your tax dollars hard at work funding, funding information campaigns inside of Russia. And how much do you want to bet that that is no part of the 59 billion? Like that's an additional, like when we talk about the money that's going over to, to, to these campaigns and, and they come out with a bill that's like, yes, it's 40 billion that's going over there. They're not telling you about the other billions and millions and things that sneak over there and all these other different ways. Oh no, of course this is all, you know, that's my question. So we just earlier in the show, we talked about president Biden sending a, getting on the phone and calling Zelensky. And telling them we're going to send you another billion dollars. Well, then why the hell did you have a vote on the 40 billion? Like, why even bother? Why not? You can just do it at right. carte blanche. You can just literally reach into the kitty and you can increase your own defense budget. You can just sign additional hey. bills and send it over. Why do you need to go to Congress for that crap? Yeah. That, do you see that video of Zelensky at Western Union? He couldn't get the number right. So he was like calling Biden back. Like, what's the three digit number you gave me? He's like, I don't remember. He's like, he couldn't get it. He couldn't get the billion because Western Union was holding it up because of that code. <laughs> like, what's my CVV code? It's on the back of your credit card. It's on the American credit card we gave you, which is an endless supply of money that you can use for anything the, you the want. The Amex black card. <laughs> oh, my God. But the thing is, I, w I wanted to talk about, too, is with the censorship thing is, you know, I just saw somebody that was covering Julian Assange and they got uh, a strike. And so it's like they keep moving the goalposts to where we don't even know at this point. And that's why we we really like want to push everybody to redacted.inc, the membership site, because we literally do not know from day to day. We walk on eggshells with every single topic that we talk about on this channel because we never know where the goalpost is going to be moved. First, it was the pandemic. Then it was Ukraine. Now it's Julian Assange. We've seen people talking about other things that I can't even say because we could be taken down. So it's like, this goalpost keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, we will not be able to report news. We will have to either come on here, like talk about cat stories or something like that, right. because they keep moving the goalposts and, and there's no end in sight. Yeah, I think maybe on this show, we'll just start doing fashion. Like we'll just start talking about, uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll just start doing talking about men's fashion. Wait, wait. Well, Natalie's here, cat so we could, we could actually do men and, cat men and fashion. women's fashion. Yeah, cat Ooh, fashion. Cat dog fashion. and cat fashion. Yeah. I mean, we have dogs. We don't have cats, so it would be kind of, I'm not getting a cat. No, I hear Just Grover in the background. He's excited. I mean, I guess we idea. can. Yeah, he loves the idea. Grover fashion. There we go. <laughs> so meanwhile, <laughs> speaking of censorship, uh, we need to talk about Germany and their unbelievable move to censor voices around the war in Ukraine. Now, you would think that a country that has experience with horrible people doing horrible things, that they would be you know, doing horrible things to people, would be doing more to shine a light on what's happening in the Donbass region of Ukraine, right? That's all I'm going to say about that on this topic, because you know, we've covered it extensively on our channel before. Uh, Alina Lips is a German reporter who moved to the Donbass, specifically Donetsk, last year. Now, she's been witnessing with her own eyes what's been happening there. Of course, it's been hidden by the Western media and covered by independent journalists. Well, she just received some stunning news from the German government about her coverage in Ukraine. 
This is Alina Lip. Listen to what she has to say about the letter she just received from her German government. My name is Alina Lip. I'm an independent German journalist living in Donetsk. Uh, I'm living here for half a year now, telling Germans what is going on in the Donbass region and in Ukraine. And for that, the German authorities now uh, started to uh, you know, per persecute me. They first, well, first they deleted my material in the internet, then they uh, blocked my bank account, blocked the bank account oh. of my father. And yesterday I got this letter from German authorities uh, uh, that they opened now a criminal case against me. So these are the documents and for Germans the support of the special operation of Russia and Ukraine is already a criminal act for which you can obviously get three years in prison. Three years in prison. Alina Lip is doing on-the-ground journalism in Donetsk. And so for this crime of journalism, Germany has banned her content, banning her, closed her bank accounts, um, as well as her father's, by the way, and her father is <clears throat> still in Germany. Um, and they've opened a criminal investigation against her without allowing her to give any testimony in this. And by the way, she's not the only only journalist facing this problem. Juan Sinmido uh, also tweeted this uh, in response and saying that he is also, he's the German government is fighting against freedom of speech. I'm a free journalist who covers the special operation in Ukraine. He said, they are going to sentence me now to three years in prison for telling the truth. Max Blumenthal chimed in on this, uh, writer and journalist, independent journalist, uh, one of the great journalists uh, over at the Gray Zone, said this. Max said, NATO states are not only economically self-sanctioning their own citizens through their proxy war on Russia, they are censoring and persecuting them for speaking out against it. Here, journalist Alina Lip says she faces three years in prison for violating German speech codes on the war. Can you believe this? And you know, you would think out of you would think out of any of the countries that were going to be against what's going on in Ukraine against Hydra. We'll call them Hydra. Yeah, let's call them um, Hydra. It would be Germany. Right. It would be Germany. Right? You would think that. You would think that. And we have a few tweets to kind of support that. Uh, so here's here's the first tweet. It says, I think I can remember the Germans censoring and policing speech and media before. <laughs> yeah, I think I can remember that too. <laughs> here's another tweet. Uh, here's another one on this subject. When your free speech is threatened, you can be assured something very nefarious is happening. Be assured. So just think about this for a minute. She's got a father in Germany. And now I've reached out to her to be on the show and, you know, kind of going through uh, some discussion there. And, and what's interesting is she's she's got a father there. And she, so she, like, she's like, should I go back to Germany to get my father out of there? It's like, don't go back to Germany. Go back to Germany. What's going to happen? You know, she goes back there. She's going to so try to get your father out of there and have him come somewhere else. But so she's there covering. She's a journalist covering the truth. What's actually happening? And they are going to throw her in prison for three years for covering this. Well, and think about this: the people that are out there risking their lives because she is risking her life being there because there are things happening there that she could get attacked. But then you have the people that the that the pre, the uh, Biden admin is like the the trustworthy news all sit in their posh little offices and air conditioner and, and report like 
Like they know what's going on. All they're doing is regurgitating what they're told by their puppet masters, where she's actually there witnessing, just like Eva Bartlett and all these other people that you've been interviewing, they are there on the ground seeing exactly what's going on. I'm going to take their word over any of these people in their little posh offices. Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take Eva Bartlett's word over any of these guys. I'll take Vanessa Bealey's word over any of these guys in the AP that are in Washington regurgitating this stuff or who are embedded with the Ukrainian military, you know, uh, getting getting a censored version of what's actually happening or a staged version. You know, of what's, what's what I find it funny is when Eva, Eva Bartlett is in there and she's interviewing people and stuff, you'll constantly see that green microphone coming in, which is RT who's on the ground. You never see a CNN mic flag. You never see a Fox News mic flag. You don't see their mic flags in any of this coverage. Mm-hmm. No. You get you get that guy from MSNBC. What was that guy that that went that uh, like that, that that reporter that cameraman who's like I'm done being a reporter for MSNBC. I'm just going to go to Ukraine and uh, I'm going to fight on the side of Ukraine. I don't remember who that guy was. Um, oh jeez, can't remember his name. Well, uh, if I could say like real quick though, like one of the, one of the things that's really indicative here is is that so if I were to just like I don't know go downtown Portland and start talking about like what I think is going on in Ukraine. I'm never going to get censored. Nothing because of the because I'm not actually going against the propaganda because they know I'm just making shit up. But it's the fact that they, they don't go after people who are just making stuff up because that doesn't really counter the propaganda like they want. What they don't want is people that are there actually giving an, an actual account of the other side of the story because that ruins the narrative. So that's yes. why they're going after well, those people. If you were, if they were, if you were just a, like flat out just a quack, they're going to leave you alone. Yeah, no, because in a way, in a way, it's it's words that they're going after. Like if certain words are said on your show, you get flagged. So it's like even like you're right. It is more so the tr- the people who are actually telling the truth. But it, it is kind of a blanket thing where it's like it's the terminology. They don't care how you, the context that you're putting around it. It's the terminology. Like we can't say that N word uh, for the Ger- the German thing here. Like I'll call, call Hydra. So that word gets flagged, even though we put a lot of context around it that is is showing that we're not in support of them or whatever. We're not like saying certain things we can, but they don't see the context. Yeah, is the problem. No, but I think I I agree with you. And Philip, I think you're kind of echoing what we had on that one tweet, which was, you know, if you're if they're doing this to you, then that means they're up to something nefarious. Yeah. When your free when your free speech is threatened, you can be assured something very nefarious is happening. Be assured. Be assured. That's exactly the case. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Please, guys, smash that like button and support our channel uh, because it's very, very important to make sure that we have independent news sources out there and that we are independent. We are totally independent. Let's talk about Japan. While we're doing our censorship roundup, let's talk about Japan and their crackdown on free speech. It seems like there's a lot of these uh, countries around the world right now and a lot of these countries who are in or in World War II, by the way. Germany, Japan, who are forgetting about World War II. They're forgetting maybe what happened during that time. So take a look at the Japan Japan Times this morning. So in Japan, it's now against the law to be mean on the Internet. You will go to prison. New law now on the books makes online insults punishable with jail time in Japan. And the entire Internet has gone silent in Japan ever since. Well, not, but can you just imagine like literally people are like, I don't want to do anything. I don't know if that's going to be insulting to somebody. What if I like misgender somebody or I say the wrong pronoun or what, you know, what, who, who's going to be the arbiter of, uh, uh, who's going to be the gatekeeper here? The law was just passed. That actually happened to a a woman in Finland. 
she's got three years for for misgendering somebody. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen in the United States. You know, uh, it's just a matter of time. The law was passed on Monday. It gives authorities the power to punish online meanies with a fine up to uh, three hundred thousand. Uh, what is the currency in Japan? Philip, you're the uh, yen. Yen. That's right. Yen. Yeah, I was going to say yen, but I was going to say yuan. I was going to say yuan, but no, it's yen. Yeah. 300,000 yen, which is about 2,800 US dollars, plus a maximum of one year in jail. And so, how they define these insults, this is amazing. The insults are defined as publicly demeaning someone's social standing without referring to specific facts about them or a specific action. So you can say So that, can you say something like if somebody has done something wrong like a criminal can you say what factually what they did or and are they just talking about yes. like you can't embellish on it Right you can so you you have to say you have to add the factual part of what they did to make them a thief right you'd have to explain that they actually went into the store and stole purses You can't just call them a thief and then not have context then you otherwise you will go to prison so you can say that you don't like that so-and-so did such-and-such, but you can't say that so-and-so is terrible without context. Sure, this so is... So Alex Jones would be in trouble for saying that fog, water's turning the frogs gay. He would be in jail. Yeah, I guess so. If, if, like, if, if, frogs, if, if uh, frogs are a protected class, I guess. I mean, I think they should be. But, I mean, this is chilling. I mean, this is a chilling hindrance on speech. I mean, this is, again, so we have Germany... We have the United States. Uh, we have now we have Japan uh, making sure that, you know, like they're trying to make the Internet polite. Right. But this is clearly a hindrance on free speech. Um, and again, I always come back to who are the gatekeepers in these situations? You know, who are the people that are actually deciding what is polite and what is mean? Well, then let me ask you this. Can you go up to somebody on the streets in Japan face to face and say, hey, you know, and, and like, do you have to be factual in that instance as well? Or is it only online? Because like, no, do just they the ever have people get in fights over mis like misunderstandings in Japan? Or is it just like, it's like a perfect society. They just had this little swath of people that were on the internet uh, attacking people. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just like, it's just on the internet. Like that's what it is. Uh, I mean, can you, can you, because how can they prove it, right? Then it's he said, he said, you know, in that kind of situation. So I don't know how you, I don't know if they have like the Japanese police. And by the way, you know, a huge percentage of uh, Japan's population is is old. Like they have one of the oldest populations in the modern, um, of the industrialized world. So it tends to skew much older. So there's is there like a lot of old people on on Jap Japanese internet, like insulting each other that they needed to move to do this? You know what I would do personally is I would create, I would just hire a bunch of samurai mods to go around and just go in and, and bring honor to the conversations. Right. Where's Akira Kurosawa when you need him? Uh, we're going to talk about Canada in a moment. We're going to talk about Justin Trudeau and the unbelievable move of the Canadian parliament in just a moment and a clamp down on freedoms there. Uh, and we're also going to talk about Rwanda and what the United Kingdom is doing with refugees and talk about a double standard. But first, I quickly want to tell you about our friends over at Stamps.com. When you're running a small business, every second counts. You can't afford to waste a single moment. Why in the world would you want to go to the post office and stand in line? Are you crazy? You shouldn't want to do that. 
Instead, Stamps.com makes mailing and shipping quick, easy, and cost-effective. Um, for more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Saves you time, money, and stress. They give you access to all of the post office and UPS shipping services that you need right from your computer. And see that thing at the top of the screen when you type in the word redacted and you hit submit with the little microphone icon? You're going to get a free digital scale and free postage and a four-week free trial. No long-term commitments or contracts. When you go to stamps.com and you click that microphone at the top of the page and you enter that code redacted, that's how you get to be able to mail and ship right from home. All you need is your regular computer and a printer, no special supplies or equipment. You're up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. Plus, stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. So whether you're an office sending invoices or you're an Etsy shop sending your products or a warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com is your mailing and shipping solution. So again, go to Stamps.com, click on that microphone icon at the top, type in the code REDACTED for a special offer. You'll get four-week free trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. So our thanks to Stamps.com for supporting independent journalism and what we do here at Redacted. All right, so we're going to talk about what's going on in Canada, and we're going to talk about what's happening in the United Kingdom, we're like going around the globe today. We hit Japan. We talked Mexico. Um, we talked uh, Ukraine. We talked the Netherlands. So don't anyone tell me that we don't cover the world here. I heard someone the other day said, uh, you do a lot of United States-based news. Well, I am, fr- I am American. Um, but uh, I think we do try to cover a really good chunk of news from around the world that, uh, that the mainstream media largely ignores or they paint with a certain brush. So our goal here is to bring you the truth. All right, let's talk about this in Canada. North of the border to our good dictator up there, Justin Trudeau. His government, Justin Trudeau's government, is doing it again, clamping down on personal freedoms, and now they are fast-tracking their big censorship bill. So here's how the CBC News put it. Um, They put it this, and they said that liberals attempt to rush through Canada's draconian online streaming bill that hurts indie voices. Now, this is Reclaim the Net that published this. Independent creators will be suppressed in order to boost mainstream broadcasters. Now, if you don't think that this will seriously curtail free speech, you're dead wrong. Here's how the CBC puts it in their headline. Take a look at this. Your free speech is at risk with Ottawa's push to regulate online content, experts warn. So let's go deeper on this. Now, Professor Michael Geist is one of the more uh, one of the better critical thinkers on this subject. He's a lawyer in Canada. He just wrote a great piece on his blog. Here's Professor Michael Geist. Um, let me pull this up here. Oh, yeah, there, there it is. And what he says is, so let's kind of go through this. So basically, they're rushing through this censorship bill. And they had a vote on it. I watched some of the debate um, yesterday in the committee, um, and it was really, uh, really stunning. Because what they did was, they, with roughly 170 amendments proposed by five parties, there was only time for a fraction of the amendments to be reviewed. Instead, once the government-imposed deadline arrived at 9 p.m., the committee moved to voting on the remaining proposed amendments without any debate, discussion, questions for department officials, or public disclosure of what was even being voted on. Does that sound a lot like the United States? <laughs> when we try to pass, we rush stuff through so no one can read it, no one sees what's in it. 
There's no debate Here's on it 6, at all. Here's a 6,000-page bill, and we're going to vote on it in the morning. Yeah, we don't have any idea what's <laughs> in it. The voting ran past midnight, with the public left with little idea of what was in or out of the bill. The updated bill will be posted in the next day or so. Oh, good. And then uh, Michael Geist goes on to say, This sham process notably excluded debate on many of the proposed amendments on regulating user content. The issue arose about 30 minutes before the 9 p.m. deadline, resulting in some discussion on a Green Party amendment to clearly remove user-generated content from the bill. That debate, though, was cut short, (laughs) where the chair moved directly to voting on amendments. So think about this. Creators in Canada, right? This is what this is what's going to happen. Just imagine the front page of YouTube. For all of you that like use YouTube and you like log into YouTube and because you watch certain videos, you've created your own sort of algorithm within YouTube, right? Content is suggested to you based on you. Right? It's YouTube. And so that's how the algorithm works. Now, if Canada gets its way and Justin Trudeau's government gets its way, what you will see when you log into YouTube is whatever content they want you to see and sort of no personal curation of social media content. And it's absolutely terrifying. This is just, I mean, this is the slippery slope that we've been hearing about from some leaders, right? This idea that like democracy is slipping away from us. Where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah. I've heard it from this guy. We've come to a moment that, quite frankly, we've seen coming over the past years. And we've talked about it in, in, in the news, not just about Ukraine, but about democracies around the world, that we see a bit of a slippage oh. in our democracies. Countries turning towards slightly more authoritarian leaders. Hmm. Countries allowing increasing misinformation and disinformation to be shared on social media, turning people against the values and the Wait, principles of he democracy. He just contradicted so himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he literally just contradicted himself in that same exact sentence. Right. A bit of a slippage. We've seen this, frankly. Where are we seeing this? Describe describe the uh, the contradiction. Well, so he's saying that. You know, democracy is at risk and and the freedom and all that is at risk and disinformation is being spread. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's you're, you're talking about freedom and democracy, yet that doesn't like free speech is a big proponent of that. And you're just calling for limited free speech. Right. Yeah. Only only what the government allows you to hear, allows you to see. So I want to Which go back- is authoritarian. <laughs> so I want to go back to this Michael Geist law post out of Canada. The liberal government was elected on a platform that emphasized good governance, transparency, and consultation. This hearing was a firm rejection of those principles. The meeting was chaired by liberal MP Hedy Fry via video. No serious government would treat its legislation to review presided over by Ms. Fry in a hybrid format. She was frequently confused, rarely knew who was speaking, often spoken while on mute and required multiple suspensions to get advice from the committee clerk. This is how they're passing like internet censorship regulation in Canada. They literally have no freaking clue what they're doing. And Justin Trudeau is pushing this through and speedily, 
hoping that no one will notice. We saw what they did during the trucker convoy. We saw what they did to censor speech during the trucker convoy. We saw what they did by taking down posts on social media in Canada. We saw what they did taking people's bank accounts. So you want to talk about a slippage? But the betrayal of... How, de- how is this like... My, 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 I'm so curious how this has become so global. Like, how are so many governments getting on board with this same thing? Like, it seems like, it, it honestly seems like when the, when the pandemic started, that this is the slope that was created. And, and it's like, all of a sudden, the world leaders converged, and now they're on the same, they have the same agenda. I mean, doesn't that feel like that to you? It does, because it's true. And I've covered it here on the show, and some videos I've released recently on the World Economic Forum and the WEF. Look, when BlackRock went and handed the Federal Reserve their plan on the Great Reset, the going, the going direct Great Reset, they had a plan. They knew that by doing this and voting on this and having this discussion at the World Economic Forum and all of those people at Davos, they literally signed it. They planned it. It was in their meeting notes that we are going to put 500,000 you know, uh, 500, people out of work. We're going to lock down. We are going to consolidate power. We are going to move towards a digital currency. We are going to, uh, w- all of the big tech oligarchs are part of this discussion, right? All of the billionaires. Are right, but there. when they when they talk about that consolidation of power, who who's getting that consolidate? Where is that consolidation of power going? To all the world leaders, or is there a, 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 a group of leaders above those leaders that that's the, the power? Like, where is the power? It's the globalists. It's the people, it's the unelected globalists. It's the Klaus Schwab's, it's the, uh, it's the Larry Fink's, it's the Bill Gates's of the world. It's all of those people that are unelected. I know this sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's in their meeting and it actually happened. <laughs> like, they're telling us right to our face exactly what's happening. So we, you know, I know it's like you could say this at a dinner party and people might look at you like, he's one of those guys that believes like all of these billionaires are running the show. Did you see Bill Gates at Davos? literally hand everyone his yeah. next plan for the pandemic. They literally were having a meeting in August of 2019 about COVID three months, four months before any person in the world heard about COVID. How are they having a meeting about it before we even hear about it? Explain that one to me. <laughs> so I know it sounds conspiratorial, but it's freaking true. And so what do they want? They want to take away property rights. They want a consolidation of power. One of the big things that Catherine Austin Fitz writes about, who used to work at the uh, at HUD, she, I mean, she was, and she got fired because she stood up to this um, in the government. Uh, she talks about property, and she talks about the electric grid and why they want to take over the electric grid because why they want consolidation of the electric grid because of power, of electricity, and of digital currency. That's why they want to control that. They also want to take away personal property rights. They want well, and also think about that. Think about it. How BlackRock buying up all this real estate and all of these things plays right into that hand. And Bill Gates buying up all of the farmland in the United States. So again, mm-hmm. why is Bill Gates owning every piece of like every available farmland in the United States? I don't know. You tell me. You know, why is a guy who literally was hanging out on you know you know whose island able to literally be invited to Davos and to hand his pandemic preparedness plan in place. Just ask yourself these questions. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's happening. So there, there's a reason that this is happening globally. 
It's a reason that all these people get together at Davos and Bilderberg in Washington, and then these things are implemented later. Like those like public meetings are just sort of public. All the real meetings happen behind closed doors. And all of these things are unfolding right now. And we're heading really into phase two of this. Um, and the World Economic Forum, you know, it's really, really troubling. Um, and again, we, we see this with the WHO, don't we? The United States is willing to hand, thank, thank Africa. We covered this on the show. Thank Africa for standing up and saying no. And Brazil, we're not going to hand over our sovereignty to the World, Economic, uh, the World Health Organization to tell us what to do in the event of a pandemic, that they will take consolidation of cur currency under one world currency, one U world digital currency. We'll control everything at the World Health Organization. So the United States will cede power to these globalists. Well, and, I, and I'm not a Trump fan. I just want to put the preface this with that because I am, I am no Trump fan whatsoever. But didn't he want to pull out of the WHO? Like, didn't he want nothing to do with it? Uh, yeah, and he also didn't want to fund it. Like, why are we funding more of it than anybody else, right? But that, that didn't happen, right? <laughs> Instead, we went the opposite no. direction. And the thing is, like, he can try all he wants, but he's up against a Republican Party that's as, as cohesive as the Democrats. They're corrupt parties. So he could be a voice kind of floating around in the Republican Party, but he's still dealing with the Mitch McConnells of the world. He's still dealing right. with the entrenched, you know, these entrenched politicians, and he's still in dealing with the, the deep state. Right. So it doesn't matter. You're there for four years. It doesn't matter. We know you're here. We're going to you know, we're going to kick you out. Well, and it's like it's just like anything else. We realize that our presidents really don't have that much power. It's kind of like I saw an article the other day and I thought it was hilarious. Like they said the things that Queen the Queen is not allowed to do. And I was like things she's not allowed to do she's the queen like you actually so so there's these people that are actually the power it's like the queen can only do so much and then it's like no 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 queen sorry we got this and it's the same with the president it's like no 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 sir <laughs> you know you're out of your element we got this yeah well famously i mean you even had to like look at ufos and stuff like that and we can go down a whole you know a whole rabbit hole on that but senator vermont senator patrick Leahy specifically was asking about the secret hangars at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and the UFO and wreckage and, and UFO materials that are kept in Ohio, right? He was asking a general about this, and the general said, don't you ever ask that question again. Don't you ever ask that question again. Like, so you have a general telling a sitting U.S. senator to never ask that question again. He was told you're not on a need to know basis. Even Bill Clinton was told that he was not on a need to know basis. The president of the United States. There's like multiple levels above the presidency on need to know levels because they know he's only there for four years or eight years. That's it. There's way higher levels of need to know that the presidency is like in the middle. Isn't that amazing? So what you're saying is there's there are things that are unknown. And there's things that are known. And there's there's unknown things that are unknown, which means that they're not known that we know there's an unknown. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nothing makes sense. But the sense. city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this pile of news means we've got more news to get to. I want to get to one more big story here. So let's do that. I want to talk about Rwanda. And I want to talk about the hypocrisy over the refugee crisis in Ukraine when you compare it to other conflicts. So uh, this happened uh, last night where UK cancels first flight to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, the United Kingdom was all set to start deporting asylum seekers to Rwanda, but the first plane did not take off as scheduled. Here it is sitting on the tarmac and wouldn't go. 
It was supposed to it was supposed to leave with refugees on board to fly to Rwanda. The flight was canceled after the European Court of Human Rights intervened. Earlier this year, Britain enthusiastically announced that it would start sending any refugees, not just you know, not just a specific group of refugees, but any refugees. They're going to send them to Rwanda where they would be cared for due to support from the UK government. The government was thrilled about this plan, but human rights groups weren't. The Church of England has, would call the policy immoral, and even Prince Charles spoke out about it and called it, and the royals are not you know, supposed to ring in on politics at all, right? That's, that's, Harry, that's carried out by the parliament, right? So there's a huge double standard here, and here's the double standard. Britain has seen a massive influx of refugees from Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iraq, and Yemen. Okay, and just bear in mind that Britain has largely been responsible for helping and aiding in bombing most of these countries, right? I mean, just look at Tony Blair's involvement in Iraq, right? Afghanistan, Sudan, Syria, Yemen. So NATO allies supporting bombing of these countries, these proxy wars that the United States and NATO put on for years and years and years. So we disrupt, we destroy these countries, we destroy their economy, we freeze people's bank accounts. Just look what's happening in Syria right now. So these people are forced out of their homes. They flee across the border. They set up tents. They try to make their way to a civilized world if they can. So they've you know, try, they tried to get into Britain. They, they have. So the government says, okay, instead of helping you here, what we're going to do is we're going to ship you off to Rwanda. Okay, for, why Rwanda, by the way? <laughs> you know, a country that's, you know, gotten back on its feet tremendously since its genocide. But still, why Rwanda? But it doesn't seem to have a problem, though, when Ukrainian refugees have arrived in England. In fact, the government has a Homes for Ukraine scheme that processes visa applications with sponsorships, and there's no limit to how many people can actually use it. So just think about that for a second. We bomb and destroy your, your country in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Yemen, in Syria, in Sudan, and the list is endless, right? Somalia, I could, I'm, I'm running out of paper how many countries we destroy. And when I say we, I mean the collective West. Because there's really no daylight between the Boris Johnson government and the Biden government. There's really no difference at all. Nothing at all. In fact, if anything, the Boris Johnson government is probably more involved in Ukraine than even the United States is. So we bomb the crap out of your countries. You come then to live in our country because, you know, after all, we bombed yours. And now we're going to ship you out to Rwanda. But if you're from Ukraine, we have a home for you. And we have a fast-track visa program and, and some money also and free college. So that's how we, that, that's the difference. Now, according to the UK's own website on this program, there will be no limit or cap on the sponsorship route for Ukrainians. So the UK will welcome as many Ukrainians as they wish to come and for whom there are sponsors. Come live with us. This is a huge humanitarian crisis and we're urging the British public to come forward and help where they can, the British government says on its website. Hail Hydra. <laughs> so if you are from any of these other countries, we're sending you to Rwanda. 
Now, if we go by the numbers, the humanitarian crisis in the aforementioned countries is a bigger humanitarian crisis than the one in Ukraine. By a landslide is Afghanistan. By a landslide is Yemen and Syria. You know, we had Kavork Almasian, who is in Syria. He uh, reports for his, he's an independent journalist for the Syriana analysis. Um, we have an interview with him coming out this weekend. So you got to make sure you subscribe to our redacted.inc channel. Um, that's our website. So you'll get, you'll get access to this a day early if you are a member. Um, and Kavork is amazing. He says, you know, that Syria, it, like it, it might never recover. The endless bombing campaigns and the the proxy position that they've put Yemen in or uh, Syria in has devastated this country. He's like, they, he's like, you know, they have two thousand American soldiers guarding our oil. They say it's for it. Uh, then they're protecting our oil. Oh yeah, sure they are. Well, and they can't even rebuild because the points where they start to rebuild, it's hit again, and it's just like it's a constant like they. they you ever see doozers? It's like their their construction keeps getting eaten. Like they can do nothing. Doozers. What is doozers from the uh, Fraggle Rock? Fraggle Rock. Wow. Yeah. Fraggle Rock. Wow. A Fraggle Rock yeah. reference. But so, it's, but it's this thing. Like it's like the Fraggles keep eating their construction. So it's like they can't even rebuild. So they don't have homes. They they're, they're you've got kids playing in schools with holes in it and everything. But nobody wants those kids. You know, it's like keep those kids over there. We don't care. Out of sight. Out of mind. But any Ukrainian refugees, it's like, you know, they're another beacon of democracy over there where Zelensky's blocking all opposition parties. But they're a beacon of democracy like we are. So we have to help them. It's not their skin color at all. Oh, it has nothing to do with that. Of course not. not at no, all. no, no. Here's no. Kav- uh, take my laptop, Philip. Here's Kavork. Uh, he, he tweeted this a little while ago. He says to justify its occupation of oil rich areas, the United States conducts every few months raids in Syria to kill or capture ISIS leaders. And no one in the mainstream media dares to ask, how is it possible that most ISIS leaders are hiding in Turkish occupied areas, which is a NATO member country? <laughs> Like these, these pop up like every few weeks. He's right about this. Like U.S. led coalition fighting ISIS as it's detained a senior ISIS leader in Syria. Like they pop these things up in the media so that we remember why we're in Syria, which is a total fabrication, right? Like this garbage PR or propaganda that they put forward. It's ridiculous. So again, no one's asking this question about the humanitarian crisis in the, all of these other countries. And all of these other people have been waiting for visas for years. So we bombed your, you know, Afghanistan and Syria and Yemen, and that you've been you've been hoping to get a visa to a country that bombed you. So why send them back to the back of the line or ship them somewhere else while processing Ukrainians right in front of them? Like, come on over here. Just uh, you guys, you Yemenis, you guys step to the back of the line. Ukrainians, you guys step to the front. If Britain had not left the European Union, it could have actually sent asylum seekers back to the first EU country that they safely arrived in. But then you have Brexit. So you can't do that. There must not be any media covering that because the optics of that alone would cause controversy. If anybody saw that, think about the countries that would cause. Well, and you see some of that in that video, Philip. If we can run some of that video, you see some of the you know, people in the protests. And that, that's why. That's why this plane is actually grounded because there's actually been some... Let me re-rack it here because I think... Uh, let me see here. This plane is on the tarmac because it didn't take off because of protests and because uh, humanitarians in, you know, in the UK said, no, see here, look at this. Don't. That's racist. Stop the racist deportations. So again... There's been a little of it, but not enough. 
Like if, if we actually had a lot of national coverage of this around the world, imagine what could have happened, right? So the UK can no longer do to do what they did when they were in the EU. So they cooked this Rwanda scheme up that came out of nowhere. And it seems you like know what? I bet bad you, form, as the English would say. If we still had, I, I, you can still access RT, but I guarantee RT is probably covering that. And and we're not, no US media have I seen anyone even even mention that. The, the only coverage I saw was initially when they were talking about people coming over and they were making statements like, I mean, they look just like us. Right. You know, you remember that like right. blatantly like racist comments. Uh, and, and then it's like, boom, no more coverage. Like, yeah. oops, we, oops, we shouldn't have said it like that. Uh, no more coverage on that, guys. Well, I want to I want to throw in a couple of things here. One is, is along with what Clayton was saying with uh, giving visas out. Like when you look at Afghanistan, we won't even give visas to the people that helped like the translators and things that while we were in Afghanistan, so we won't like when we left, we wouldn't we wouldn't get anybody else out. They're still on these like insane waiting lists with with all of these hoops they have to jump through that they can't do because we don't have anybody there to help them out. And two, didn't Petey Patel say that the reason for sending people to Rwanda was to discourage them from wanting to come to the UK? Wasn't that like an actual statement that was said, or am I am I misremembering? I think you're right about that. I don't have the exact quote, but yeah, I think you're right about that. And, you know, by the way, Pretty Patel is the same one who's working on the extradition of Julian Assange, right? So, like, you want to think about human rights and, and think about, like, we, we really care about human rights here in UK in the UK, but this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing to well, people in these countries we bombed. And to speak to Philip's point, it's like, how do any of these people still help us, like interpreters and stuff like that? Because if you look, even back during the Indian Wars... Like all of the Indians that helped us go get Geronimo and put him in a in a uh, a reservation, after they they got Geronimo and they were sending him away, they t- took all the scouts that helped and then put them in the thing as well and said, "You're no longer needed." And they thought they were going to be free and sent them away. And like we've been doing that throughout our history. How does anybody trust a treaty that we write? How does anybody trust anything that we're like? How do we get away with this stuff still? <laughs> right, two hundred years later. Yeah, uh, you know, it's the power of the hegemony, right? And the power of money. Um, so to your question about RT, uh, yeah, their coverage of this. If you go to their website right now, you probably can't because it's blocked in most countries. Um, and I have to use a VPN to route around it to get to it. But here you go. Their coverage, top stories to yesterday and today. UK could leave the human rights court. U- European court blocks UK deportion of flight, right, to Rwanda. Last minute uh, asylum seekers bound for Rwanda. All covered right here on RT. Good luck finding now that. Now go find it on CNN, Fox, and MSNBC. Go find that article on there. Yeah, see if we can go to CNN and see if it's a top story there. Um, hmm. I don't see it. Let's see. Oh, they do have January 6th coverage. Uh, and Kim Kardashian. And Oh, oh but they do have this wait, story. Can you, I was really oh, wait, can you read that article? Send me a link to that because I've been really curious about what's going on with that. With the Kim Kardashian did not damage Marilyn Monroe's dress. Yeah, because I was worried Marilyn about Marilyn Monroe's, Monroe's dress. dress. Yeah. But, yeah. And these five guys have taken the same photo for 40 years. Like, that's a featured story. Um, let me see. I don't Impressive. see. Aww. I don't see. Oh, who's Colombia's oldest man on TikTok? Let me see. Let's just do a little search for Rwanda, see if we actually have any coverage buried here. Oh, they do have a story about it. Good. Okay. Um, grounded after a site. Okay, so they do have a story, but it's not on their front page. It's buried, of course, under the everything category. What's um, the date on that story? 
so it's June, June 14th or June 15th. 15th. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. And I love, look at this, look at hilariously, look at this at the top. I'm on this story about Rwanda. Okay. I'm on the story about Rwanda flights and kicking people out and look at this big pop down ad that pops up. Learn how you can help. Look how you can help Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh guys. And I just want to say, you know, again, what was happening in Mexico, uh, also, uh, people trying to get, uh, trying to get access to get into the United States. Um, we heard from uh, people waiting to get into the United States. They were being uh, that Ukrainians were being fast tracked over and above people coming in from Central and Latin America to get their visas approved into the United States. Ukrainians coming through Mexico were being fast tracked, and interestingly, too, at the waiting areas to get your to get your visas, um, they had waiting rooms with toys and food and coffee and tea and comfortable chairs and beds and, and play areas for the kids. But if you were in the Central American bucket or South, South American bucket trying to get into the United States, it was like not even working bathrooms, squalid conditions, none of that stuff. They literally set up better like building structures and fast tracking visa programs for Ukrainians coming into the United States than the people who've been waiting weeks and weeks and weeks to get in from Central and Latin America. Well, and I I put in a request. There's an app called Thumbtack where you can hire people locally to do things. And I, I wanted to get some help when I first got back from surgery because when after Philip had left, I was like, I still need kind of help like doing dishes and kind of keeping things uh, tidy around here because I can't really lift much. So I reached out on the Thumbtack app and I had a lady contact me. She said, there's a bunch of Ukrainian refugees here um, that, that we can hire from. And then I got a message from a thing called Community of... Ukraine and they were like negotiating with me on a price, but they were supposedly Ukrainian refugees here to work uh, and they were like a minimum $20 an hour. I didn't end up hiring anybody from that, but I was like, I was kind of shocked that they're, they're saying there's a whole community of Ukrainian refugees here in Ridgefield. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. surprised. And I'm, I'm like 30 minutes outside of Portland, like in a small town. That's amazing. Well, that's uh that's your UK refugee uh, story. So, guys, um, please, please subscribe to the channel. Um, really, really helpful. And make sure you smash that like button um, tomorrow. And I, I really want you to go over to redacted.inc because I have a sit-down interview that we're releasing first on our redacted community. So we're releasing it early to our redacted members at redacted.inc. My interview with Kavork Almasian, who has been in the Donbass region. He's covering Syria. He's covering uh, Ukraine. He's an excellent journalist. And so we sit down and have a deep discussion about Syria, about the proxy war there and in Ukraine um, and what he's seeing on the ground in those regions. Really, really uh, eye opening um, interview. So I want you to see that. You can see that early if you become a channel member at redacted.inc. Sign up and become a community member over there. Uh, very, very important to do that. And, before- and also um, on Fridays at one o'clock, I do a members only stream over there. And we don't have it set up yet because there weren't very many people on, but I'm going to be working on getting pet photos and stuff. For those of you that still like enjoyed pet photos and all that, I will be doing that as soon as we get that set up. So that also will be on redacted.inc only exclusively. It doesn't go to, to Rumble or YouTube or anything. So cool. Head over and get it yeah, there. we used to do pet photos Friday when we had our morning invest show uh, in the mornings, um, but uh, we haven't been able to really do it here. Um, just with Yeah, the, and people would lose their minds when we didn't know, do it. I know. But. <laughs> I know, I know. Grover was pissed too. 
Um, but first, before we yeah, get out of here, I want to do fun. some super chats and have, so get in any super chat questions you have here, or any chat questions you have, we can talk about this before we wrap things up for tonight. But I do want to tell you how you can get up to $25,000 in free stocks right now before the end of June. Um, and one free stock from Lucid. So our friends over at Moomoo, they are a uh, Chinese-based company. And they are an exchange that goes up against some of the big exchanges out there. And they have all sorts of features and things that these other exchanges that you might have heard about, you know, like the Robin Hoods of the world and those other companies, they have all sorts of bells and whistles and additional things that you won't get from those other exchanges. So if you want to invest in crypto or the stock market um, and you want to get free level two data and you want to get access to invest in the Hong Kong stock market, by the way, the Hong Kong stock market up like 35% when you compare it to what's going on in the United States right now. So you can invest in Hong Kong, US or uh, you know Canadian markets. You can with one account, with one account, you can do that. You can support odd lot trading. Uh, you can It supports the Hong Kong stock trading, um, has unified buying power. They have full platform coverage. Um, and uh, so, for instance, like Warren Buffett, here's an example, right? Warren Buffett, he bought shares of BYD, which is a battery maker, right, that supplies batteries to Tesla. Um, and so BYD shares rose on Wednesday after the Chinese electric vehicle maker said it was preparing to supply batteries to Tesla. And a Hong Kong list, you can do that on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. It's, you know, rose 2.79 uh, on Wednesday. Um, so, again, there's a lot of things that you can take advantage of on Moomoo um, that you can't get in other places. But you can get up to 10 free stocks plus an additional stock that's 11 stocks valued up to $25,000. So when you open your account, you get some free stocks and then you have to make a deposit and you get the additional free stocks. But even if you never do anything else with this account, even if you just open the account and you get all these free stocks, great. Then you get free money, you know, and then you could sell the stocks and it just sits in your account as cash and you can do whatever you want with it. You can buy other stocks, you can invest in companies you believe in, or you can just keep it in the account, right? But it's free money just for opening an account. I mean, that's, you can't beat that. And it's much bigger. And a lot of these exchanges will do that right over the years, like Robinhood did that and other companies will do that. But Moomoo has, has way more, like giving you way more money for opening an account. So why not take advantage of that? I'm a huge fan of their platform. I love their the clean, easy-to-use app on my Mac and on my iPhone. Really, really great um, to do. So again, here's the website. It's redacted.inc slash Moomoo. You have to use that URL to get those 11 free stocks. That's redacted.inc slash Moomoo. M-O-O-M-O-O. My daughter loves that name. She's like, I love that name, Moomoo. <laughs> yes, you won't forget it. Moomoo. Redacted.inc slash Moomoo is how you have to use that URL. And that, that lets them know that you came from us and they support our show. They support what we're doing here. They love our show over there. By the way, they love our show because we've been covering China. We've been covering the truth in China, by the way, and what's been happening there. <coughs> My interview with Vanessa Bealy specifically. So go check out that interview. Um, it's, you know, might surprise people who've been swallowing the Western narrative uh, of uh, what's happening in China. Uh, so go check out that interview. All right, let's check some super chats here before we get out of here. All right. We got two from Mark Hill. There will be no 2024 elections. Martial law, best source of newsworthy content on air. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You said Mr. Mark Hill. Mark food, $5. Super chat. Sticker. Uh, Jamilia Asfu, 
These U.S. leaders are becoming junk. Thank you guys for holding them accountable. Our pleasure. Yeah, we're not. We don't have any dog in this fight. I mean, David and I are both independent. I think Philip's an independent too. Like, uh, you know, I don't. I think both of these parties are corrupt. Um, that's why we absolutely need a third party. Um, but good luck that for that happening. We'll see. Well, it's like I, I like Bill Maher. Like what he said. He's like, I've been the same exact liberal that I've been for like 20 years, you guys have all moved left. Like the, the, the parties are continually like moving further right and further left. And it's like, they've just like completely met in the middle. Like they're just like meeting up with each other. And I, I, I'm like single issue. Like there's some issues I'm more conservative, some issues I'm more on the, the social side. Like it's just, you know, and everybody's like, I, I don't know. It's just like people just want to fight over single issues and, and we're so divided. It's crazy. Oh, Natalie's here in the chat. She says, you're still here? Emily Watson says, I miss Natalie. She's like a ray of sunshine. Hopefully you had fun with your book reading. Yeah. Um, Delmani Green Beans, uh, hashtag reparations. Uh, Tarot Man Harris with a super sticker. Thank you. BCN rebelled. rebelled. Uh, Pirates, a.k.a. UK government, zero hands off Assange. Pretty pathetic. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Assange. I'm just, uh, especially yeah, if you know. I agree. Delmani Green Beans with a twenty dollars super chat. Ukrainians get everything, uh, while the people who built this country get pushed into slavery again through prisons. Reparations. Hashtag reparations. Hmm. Emily W with a twenty dollars super sticker. Thank you so much. And let me refresh here because I think that's all of them. Yes, that is all of them. Thank you guys. Chip Walker says Max Blumenthal should run for president. I would love that. The problem is, though, we don't I'd vote for him. We don't elect people like Max Blumenthal. We don't elect people that no. are like, you know, he's not magnanimous. He's not like, hey, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to go learned. to the East Coast and the West Coast and come on. Like Max is like a, a calm guy, just a, a thinker. Right. We just don't we don't. Well, and we've we also like. learned that the only way you can become president is if you buy it. Yeah. And he can't afford to buy it. Well, he'd also have to take millions of dollars in, in campaign money, right? He's not wealthy. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is. No. I don't know. But he'd have to take He's millions. He'd have to take millions of dollars from, from special interests, right? Sadly. Uh, and just, you know, that's, that's where we're at. People saying, oh, Jimmy Dore. 20. Yeah. No, he's not wealthy. I've seen the microphone he uses on his lives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Love you, Max. I will tell Max. Yeah. We're trying to, yeah. Um, I mean, he's an amazing journalist. and uh, He is. The Gray Zone, you guys. The Gray Zone is one of those sites, like, they're, they're just, they really do their due diligence and their work. And, and it's uh, Aaron Mate and, and Max Blumenthal. And, yeah, yeah, there's a good team over there. Excellent team. Excellent. I think, did we lose Clayton's video? Is that, okay. You went, to, you went to Stripes there for a second. Color bars. No, I didn't. You did. Oh, it was oh, you. Accidentally, accidentally, I hit Natalie's cam. Oh. I accidentally pushed oh. Natalie's cam, which, as as everybody everybody looking can see, Natalie is not there. She's she not has here. been redacted. Yeah, we said she was in chat, not on not on set. Philip. Yeah, she has her <laughs> she has her ladies book club. They get together. They read a book a month or whatever, and they get together and they uh, they go to a lady's house and they all talk about the book and uh, just an ex- you know just an excuse for ladies to get together. Which is fine. But she's off tonight. So that's all the super chats. That's all of them. All right, We're everyone. We're heading off into the weekend. Again, you guys, 
Redacted.inc. We know we don't know how much longer we'll be able to talk about this stuff because we are we're pushing pushing the element here. I mean, a lot of people are afraid to talk about this stuff. I and mean, there's some YouTube channels that continue to walk the party lines just because they're scared. If you hear them talking private, they're talking about these things, but they don't talk about them on YouTube. So you know, get over there and, and get signed up and get some of this awesome uh, behind the scenes content that we're putting out. This awesome sauce. Yeah, we want to hit 900,000. Awesome we'll probably hit 900,000 here in the next few minutes. So 900,000 subscribers Woo-hoo. to the channel. If you'd like to become a channel subscriber, uh, hit it. We're almost at 900,000 subscribers. So on our way to a million. That's our goal. And look at that. We got 101,000 in the last 28 days. That means if we do that again, we are at a million. Yes. Yes. Eat that, Kyle Kalinske. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> eat, eat that, breaking points. Yep, breaking uh, points, Kyle. We've passed you all. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're coming for you, Jimmy. <laughs> no, <laughs> we love Jimmy. Uh, we love Jimmy. Yeah, we um, do. It's just a. It's a. It's kind of just like a fun competitive thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know. No, the thing is, like, look, there's so few independent voices out there, and you know, it's like if we all in fight. First of all, we all love each other. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, uh, there's very few independent channels that are doing what we do. Can you imagine, like, if we just randomly started picking fights? I mean, that's the mainstream media controls everything. I mean, CNN, Fox, these guys, Mm -hmm. they control everything. These billionaires control everything. So you have these few independent voices that are actually doing journalism and they're just getting squashed and they're actually hurting themselves, I think, too. They're actually like, yeah. I see these like progressive channels that are like there's like one progressive channel that like just attacks other progressive. That's like all they do. Um, I'm like, mm-hmm. here, man, like you could be doing uh, some other journalism, you know? Um, yeah, it's like, a it's, it's like Kyle and, and those guys, Kyle and Breaking Points. I mean, I watch their content because even though I don't hardly ever agree with where they're going, I want them to be able to say that. And I want to hear their point of view. I don't I don't want to lock out any point of view. I watch The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Steven Crowder. Like I am all over the place with my content because I want to hear other people's opinions and views because that's how you ultimately come up with your view. If you only go down one channel, one side, then obviously your view is going to be that one side. But if you try to have a balanced approach to your content that you consume, then you're automatically going to like, because if you're a reasonable person, you can hear their, their opinions and be like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. I didn't realize I felt that way about this. But if you never hear that point of view, you'll never get there. So you have to have a diverse group of news people that you listen to, even if you don't like them all the time. You know, that's like, I get so irritated when I'm like, Hey, you need to go listen to this person on Joe Rogan. Like I hate Joe Rogan. Like, I'm not asking you to go listen to Joe Rogan. I'm asking you to go listen to his guest. Right. You know, because get those get those different ideas in your brain. Yeah. Because it's it's good. Well, I got into a Twitter argument with a guy one night a few months ago um, who just wrote me like he just sent me a direct message. And he was like, a I know he's like a 22 year old kid or 23 year old kid. And he's like, are you just a like he just he was like, are you just a Russian troll? And, and that's all he said. And I wrote him back and I said, can you please clarify and i don't think he was expecting me to have replied you know because and then we got into right. this, we got into a discussion and he just wanted to attack me but he was so misinformed like he just literally didn't have the facts so he didn't know what he was talking about and i said i want you to watch this this and this and then come back and actually we'll have a conversation he said well thank you he's like i do want to learn this i do i do he's like i and so he was basically admitting i he's like i, I was ignorant and i just attacked you because i didn't know and now then he went off and he started watching these things to learn and he came back and he was like, oh, my God, my eyes are opened. I didn't know this. And he's like, and I apologize. 
Um, so, you know, and I had that same conversation with a separate person on Twitter, another, like, like somebody else almost did the same thing. And it's amazing. So just go out there and seek a difference mm-hmm. of opinions, you know, uh, and, and, and just educate yourself and just don't lock yourself into like some worldview that you, you know, with blinders on. That's the worst That's thing. Like every time I would go to my grandmother's house, she had Fox news on all day. Like the moment she woke up, woke up, the clicker went on until the moment she went to bed, Fox news. And I was just like always sitting there. And if you went to her house to visit, she left it on while you were there visiting. And it's just like, your worldview is so skewed if you only have one source of information. Yeah, yeah. I think the worst thing people can be is inflexible, right? You have to be flexible. You have to be able to see facts and be able to change your opinion and move where the facts lead you, you know, and that's... um, That's why I always tell people, like, don't plant a flag. So many people, they plant a flag on, like, it's like, I am red or I am blue, period. I don't care you know, how I personally feel about the issue. If the blue side says it, I'm for it. Right. Yeah. And that's what we have right now. A lot of people do that. They pull the blue lever or they pull the red lever and they don't even look. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for subscribing to the channel. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the thumbs up and like. Make sure you go over to redacted.inc and become a member there because we're doing the live stream tomorrow for uh, members only. Plus, we've got our channel release of the Kavork interview on our Redacted Conversations. And we've got other content coming out this weekend as well just for you. Uh, So please go subscribe over there. All right, everyone. It's been a great show. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, I had a great time being here with you all and we will see you uh we will see you later. Bye everyone. Monday